Today on Blue 58, whatever else happens this season, it looks like another big decision is looming for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. What are the Packers' options here? And what if Aaron Rodgers decides he would like to stay? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Some apologies up top here. One apology, I suppose. Uh, I am dealing with a little bit of a cold. My two co-hosts were kind enough to supply me over the weekend uh, with some of their germs, and it appears that it has finally taken effect, uh, dealing with a little congestion here, so I'm sorry if that affects your listening experience for this episode. would also like to start this episode by talking about being wrong, because there's going to be a bunch of discussion over the next, I think, few months and I guess years about the idea of being wrong about the Packers making wrong calls, about people having the wrong opinions about what the Packers should or should not do in a given situation. And I just want to encourage you to be okay with being wrong. I've made a point on this podcast to try to call myself out when I'm wrong for things. We have an episode every year reviewing predictions where we talk about being wrong. And I think we need to look at being wrong as an opportunity to evaluate why we got things wrong and what we might be wrong about. Why did we think the Packers should do certain things? And what reasons were there why those particular decisions didn't work out or worked out one way rather than a different way? You can apply this to Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, any number of things. Because there's different decisions happening for the Packers all the time. And it's important to be okay with the idea that you might be wrong about something related to the Packers. There have been, and he hasn't even played yet, there have been wars fought on Packers Twitter about Jordan Love this season and what the Packers need to do with him or not do with him or his relative merits as a player. Maybe we're all right. Maybe we're all wrong. Maybe it's somewhere in between. But somebody's going to be right. Somebody's going to be wrong. And it could be for factors entirely out of Jordan Love's control. Maybe he finally gets an opportunity to be a long-term starter, whether it's with the Packers or somebody. And in his first game, he breaks his elbow. Are we ever going to get a good look on him? Are we ever going to know what could have been? No, we won't. But The process of getting to right or wrong, the process by which you get there, is really the important part here. The outcome is often out of your control. The process of going through it and acknowledging when you might be wrong is important too. So by all means, have your opinions. Have your takes. Back them up as strongly as you can with evidence and sound reasoning. Or if you just want to follow the Jim Rome school of talking about sports, you can make it really simple. Have a take and don't suck. That's a pretty fair rubric for me, I think. Back up what you think about as well as you can. And if you're right, you're right. If you're wrong, well, try harder next time. And I say that because of some of the discussions that I think are coming, but also because I want to segue into this topic here just at the top, talking a a little bit about Rashawn Gary. We got news this week that he is done for the season. It appears like it's a torn ACL, though I don't know if it's 100% confirmed yet. 
For all intents and purposes, though, he's going to be done for the year. And if it is a torn ACL, he's got a long road to recovery ahead of him. It is, of course, a huge bummer. I've been a pretty, or at least at the start, I was a pretty vocal skeptic about him. I would never describe myself as a anti-Rashawn Gary person, but I think there was reason to be skeptical about the pick from the get-go. But he has grown and grown, and that skepticism has shown itself to be misplaced. He has been nothing short of incredible this year. 18.6% pressure rate on the year, one of the best I've seen in my time talking and writing about the Packers. Going just on true pass sets, so straight drop back passes, he's getting a pass or a pressure more than one out of four attempts. He can get after the quarterback with the very best of them. And seeing him go from a guy who had a lot of potential to a guy who is able to fully harness that potential and become the player that he is today has been super rewarding as a fan and somebody who talks and writes about the Packers. Seeing him take on a bigger and bigger role, seeing him harness those tremendous physical gifts has just been super enjoyable and super rewarding. And seeing him put in the time and the effort has been great to see. Because you don't always see guys with the physical tools that Rashawn Gary has putting in the level of work that Rashawn Gary has so far. Essentially, he's grown into a leader in front of our very eyes. And this year, I think he was the Packers' very best defensive player. He's right there with Jair Alexander. He's right there with Kenny Clark. He's been tremendous this year. So it's just an enormous bummer to see a guy who has grown who has done everything the right way, who's done everything that's been asked of him and more to get a setback like this. So how long is it going to be? The injury uh, occurred on November 6th. Let's look at some timelines. Elton Jenkins went 302 days from his ACL injury to when he was back in a game. Robert Tunyon a week less than that. Kylan Hill took 375 days. David Bakhtiari, well, it depends from where you want to measure. But the possibility of setbacks, always always in the realm of possibility, I suppose. But looking at those other three injuries, other than Bakhtiari, 10 months is a pretty good ballpark. 10 months would put him right at the start of 2023 right around the first week of September or so, being ready to go for game action. It's not impossible. The question in the meantime is, what do you do contract-wise? Because he is in his fourth year right now. He would be playing on his fifth-year option next year. And I can guarantee you that Rashawn Gary is not going to want to do that. So what do the Packers do? I think the Packers have to be open to doing a deal here But here's where it gets a little bit complicated. And we talked about this earlier this season in regard to the Roquan Smith situation in Chicago. Who is Rashawn Gary's agent? Rashawn Gary's agent is Rashawn Gary. Now, I understand why guys want to be their own agents. You can be fully in control of your own contract. You can be fully in control of your own money in that you're not giving up the 3% to an agent that you otherwise would. 
But I think there's a good amount of applicability for that famous saying about the guy who serves as his own lawyer for the guy who serves as his own agent. That saying goes that a man who serves as his own attorney has a fool for a client. I think that might be true for agents too. Now, there are standard NFL contracts, but more than just overseeing the contracts, you got to remember that an agent is an intermediary. The agent is getting the unfiltered, honest opinion about his client and delivering that to the player after massaging the truth a little bit. It's one thing if somebody tells you to your face that you're worth X amount of money a year. It's another thing if you hear it from a guy you've hired and he says, they think you're worth this amount of money per year. I think we can get them to this. You don't have to face the harsh realities of negotiation yourself. You can take emotion out of it by having someone else do it for you. And you take some of the trickiness out of it too. Because we've seen more and more guys act as their own agents in the NFL. And a lot of these guys are getting taken. They're leaving money on the table. And I think teams are tricking them into doing it by putting it in a way where they're encouraging guys to bet on themselves. We kind of got a bad precedent for this when Richard Sherman started this trend a little bit because he agreed to some incentives with the San Francisco 49ers that were contingent on him making the Pro Bowl and All-Pro and stuff like that, coming off an injury. Now, he ended up hitting those incentives, but I think that's a bad precedent to set because look at how risky that is. Now, Richard Sherman is a great player. He's probably going to the Hall of Fame. I think assuredly he's going to the Hall of Fame. So in a vacuum, betting on him to be an all-pro in a given season is not that bad of a bet. But look how fragile an all-pro bid is. Can you make all-pro if you play 14 games in a season? 13? 12? How much time do you really have to miss before voters just aren't going to put you on the on the top all-pro team in the NFL? You're potentially costing yourself millions of dollars with a potentially minor injury, would an agent let you agree to that same deal? Or would he fight for you to get as much guaranteed money as possible? Teams are going to dangle this carrot of, see, look how much money you could make if you hit all these incentives. But do you think a guy in negotiating his contract has a super firm grasp on all the likely-to-be-earned incentives, not likely-to-be-earned incentives, and everything that goes into all of that? Look at it from the other side of things. Guys, teams hire people specifically to negotiate contracts. They're looking to leverage as much money for the team as possible. It's their whole job. That's the game. A player, I just don't think, is going to be able to do that as effectively. And that, unfortunately, is going to be a factor in this Rashawn Gary situation. Sure, it's possible that he could negotiate a great contract, but coming off a serious injury in what could be his one big chance at getting a huge, huge high-level payday, I worry about a guy trying to do that himself as he tries to get back into playing shape from injury. He's going to have some other stuff going on. 
I hope he's able to, to get the best deal that he can. And I hope we're able to see him back on the field next year. I'm just bummed that it's all worked out this way for Rashawn Gary. What about Aaron Rodgers? What do the Packers do with Aaron Rodgers? We're in a bit of a complicated situation, wouldn't you say? Three and six, teams going nowhere fast, and Aaron Rodgers is, well, he's on the books for a lot of money. I had a request from a listener whose name I did not write down here. You know who you are. We emailed back and forth a little bit. Uh, to talk about Aaron Rodgers' contract. And I think it makes more sense for our purposes to talk about what happens as a result of Aaron Rodgers' contract than the contract itself, because his contract is unusual. There's a lot of option-related money in this that makes his cap number move around in unusual ways. I think the, the better way to look at Aaron Rodgers' contract as it pertains to the Packers is what the Packers can do with Aaron Rodgers. And spoiler alert, they can't do much without Aaron Rodgers' say-so. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. What did the Packers do with Aaron Rodgers before the end of the season? Three options, as I see them. First, you just play him as normal. He's going to take the bulk of the reps, the vast majority, all of the reps, unless there's some sort of injury or blowout situation. He's just going to be the guy. And you do that for a couple of reasons. First, you say it because you're, or you do it because you're, you're saying you're going to stand behind our guy. We've committed to Aaron Rodgers as our starting quarterback, and we want him here for as long as he wants to be here. He's got the right to go out when he wants to go out, and he has the right to go out on his terms. You can quibble about that, whether or not that's wise, but that's a way that you could spin it. Personally, I don't think that's all that wise to say, look, the player's in charge of this team, but that is a way that you could go about this. There's also some strong internal messaging there. Hey, we're three and six. We're not just going to roll over and cash in the rest of our season. We're going to fight until the very, very last week. We're going to fight beyond being mathematically eliminated. We're going to go out and give it our all each and every week. And I think that's, to an extent, an important thing to establish as you're trying to build a program this year and beyond. I don't think Matt LaFleur is planning on going anywhere. So if he's going to be in this job next year and beyond, He's got to be able to sell the guys, look, it was dire for us in 2022. Things didn't go our way, but we didn't quit. We didn't stop fighting. That's what I'm going to do, whatever situation we find ourselves in. That's what I'm going to ask you to do as well. I don't think that's that bad a way to go go about the rest of the season. It's not perfect, but it is a way you can go. There is a possibility that the Packers could just sit Aaron Rodgers, or I would think slightly more likely, maybe find a reason for him to end up on injured reserve. Injured reserve does have some limitations. It has been known to be abused from time to time. Say you had a recurring thumb injury that was just dragging out for more than a month now, and it just looks like this thing isn't going to get any better, and you might just need a rest and shut it down. Maybe Aaron Rodgers ends up on injured reserve. That allows the Packers to get a more extended look at Jordan Love, lets him act as an actual starting quarterback in in the organization for a while here. And it's signaling to your team that we are in the future now. Whatever happens in 2023, it's probably not going to be with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. We're going to get a look at Jordan Love now. Then we're either going to go with him for 2023 or somebody else entirely. But we are in 
the future now, if that's the way that they go. Then I think there's a possibility that you could have some sort of hybrid option here. Some Jordan Love in every game, if not most games, was telling everybody that everyone is in evaluation mode. Aaron Rodgers might be back for 2023, he might not. So we're going to get a look at everybody. We're going to get a look at Jordan Love. We're going to go down the roster, and everybody's job is up for grabs here. Better start working now. It's not the most positive way of looking at things, but as Aaron Nagler likes to say quite frequently, I love this saying from him, it's uh, show business, not show friendship. This is a game of business, not a game of friendship. And you got to remember that often in this game. It's not about who's well-liked or who coaches like, though that does play into, into things a lot. It's not about who's friends with who, although that is a good way to get a job if you're, say, I don't know, Joe Barry. Uh, it's about who can put it on film week in and week out. So getting an opportunity to have everybody up and fighting for a job might be some good messaging too. Regardless of what the Packers do in season, there are some things that they have to consider after the season too. Whatever ends up happening for the Packers this year, it looks like Aaron Rodgers and the team are going to have a decision to make next spring as well. And honestly, I think that's how Aaron Rodgers wanted it. He talks about long-term job security, the long-term contract. I think what that really amounts to is Aaron Rodgers saying, hey, I want to be able to decide what I want to do on my schedule, not on yours. So what does that look like practically for the Packers? They have, I think, three options that are really two options. In theory, option number one is that they could cut Aaron Rodgers. But that is really not an option. Over the cap top, Dot com's Jason Fitzgerald wrote pretty extensively a couple weeks back already about what the Packers are with Aaron Rodgers. He rules out cutting Rodgers entirely. Quote, no, that is not a feasible option. Because his salary next year is fully guaranteed, the Packers would take on more than $99 million in dead money. While they could officially pick up the option and split that across 2023 and 2024, it would be about $31 million in dead money in 2023, then $68.2 million coming in 2024 end quote. Cutting Aaron Rodgers really is not an option. What really has to happen if the Packers want to get out from this contract is he has to retire or he has to be traded. Let's talk about retirement first because the Packers need some help there from Aaron Rodgers. Again, Mr. Fitzgerald from Over the Cap explains, quote, if Rodgers were to walk away, he would forfeit all his rights to the 59 and change million dollars guaranteed in salary for next year. In order to best accommodate the hit on the salary cap, my assumption would be that the Packers and Rodgers would sign a new contract where the option bonus was eliminated and just a $1.165 million salary remained. That would reduce Rodgers' salary cap charge to just under $17 million, and they would carry him on the roster as a procedural move until June 2nd. At that point, they would put him on the retired list. The salary cap charge in that case would be just under $16 million for 2023 and just over $24 million for 2024. So basically, end quoting there, is what would happen was in order to get around having all of the, the cap hit for Rodgers retiring in one season, you have him retire. Procedurally, you wait until after June 1st to officially 
file all the retirement work paperwork, and then you spread that cap hit over two years. What if Rodgers wants to keep playing, though, and the Packers decide they want to move on? Then you have to deal with a lot of other stuff. You have to find a trading partner, and then it gets even more complicated from there. My colleague at Acme Packing Company, Archon 14, wrote pretty extensively about this today, and I really, really appreciate that. First, because it was a tremendous bit of investigation on his part, and it sounds like he got some help from the great Ken Ingalls on there as well, uh, breaking down some of the, the salary cap machinations here. But it's pretty feasible, actually, to move on from Aaron Rodgers via trade. And this gives me a little bit of optimism about the future, not because I necessarily want Aaron Rodgers to be traded, though I think if the Packers got a good deal, you'd really have to think about it after this year. But it shows me that there is a way forward. Here's a selection of what Mr. Archon wrote here. Quote, Since a lot of Rodgers' bonuses are going to be accelerated onto the Packers' books, the books for the acquiring team, i.e. the one that traded for Rodgers, look a little bit better for them than what it would look like for Green Bay. In the 2023 season, Rodgers would only count against Team X's books to the tune of $15.8 million. In 2024, assuming they have not reworked his contract, which may not be the correct assumption, he would also have a low cap hit of just $18 million. After the 2024 season, it's anybody's guess as to what would happen. Rodgers is not going to play on his current contract in the 2025 season and beyond. The frank reason is that he wouldn't be paid enough to stick around, as his cash paid plummets to just over $20 million, and $15.1 million in 2025 and 2026. If he plays beyond 2024, it's a new contract, end quote. In summary, if the Packers want to trade Aaron Rodgers, he'll count some against their cap in 2023, but then be off the books beyond that. For the acquiring team, they'll take pretty modest cap hits in 2023 and 2024, and 2025 and 26, unless he reworks his deal, and then it gets complicated from there. That all sounds pretty good, except there's one small complication here. For the Packers to split up Aaron Rodgers' cap hit like that, this deal cannot be consummated until after June 1st, which is complicated for a few reasons. First, the acquiring team is probably going to want their starting quarterback sometime before then, but sometimes I guess you just can't avoid these things. But also, if you can't trade for Rodgers until after June 1st, what has already passed for 2023 by that point? The NFL draft. Now, the Packers would probably want some immediate compensation for Rodgers if they decide indeed to trade him, but also this could help them because I think people are more willing to trade out big numbers of draft picks if they're so far in the future that they feel hypothetical. In June of 2023, a first-round pick in 2024, or maybe 2025 too, seems like it's an awfully long way away. Those draft picks are, are purely hypothetical at that point. They're theoretical picks. You don't even know where they're going to be. Maybe you're a little bit more willing to trade at that point if you know you don't have to give up anything in 2023. Or say you're a team like the San Francisco 49ers, who may not have a lot of draft capital in the short term, They really want to make one more run with a guy they think can put them over the edge. Maybe you're more inclined to trade that 2024 or 2025 pick. 
It's at least a possibility. But what if Rogers stays? I don't have a firm answer for that because there's a lot of different variables that go into that. Do the Packers want that? What happens if Rodgers wants to say and the Packers don't? It gets complicated. And I think there could be some pretty intense hurt feelings on both sides. And wouldn't that be just a fun way for all of this to end? We all lived, or many of us lived. i got to remind myself, it's getting to be a long time ago now that Brett Favre got traded. Many of us lived through the summer of 2008 and Brett Favre and Family Night and all of that stuff. What if that's the way it goes down for Rodgers again? There is one key difference here. The way the contract is structured, Aaron Rodgers kind of holds all the cards here. He can come back and force the Packers to make a decision. Okay, you think you're going to move on? I've decided to not move on. And I'm going to be here in 2023. What are you going to do about it? Going to wreck your cap just to get me out of town? Hmm. We'll see about that. He could also make things easy for the Packers, or not, if he decides to retire. I mean, he could retire and not rework his contract, as Mr. Fitzgerald suggested. That would, of course, be an interesting move. He could also work with the Packers to facilitate a trade, or not. Elsewhere in his piece, Jason Fitzgerald notes that Aaron Rodgers does not have a no-trade clause. While that may be true, Let's think about that for a second. Say the Packers line up a deal to ship Aaron Rodgers to the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know why they would do that. Kyler Murray, Murray is there. What's, let's say it's say it's the New York Jets. Say Rodgers doesn't want to go play with another Lafleur brother. Or he thinks Robert Sala is just a little bit annoying. Or he just doesn't want to move to New York. And he just says, all right, you can trade me there, but I'm not going. Do the Jets agree to that deal? They just say, well, I mean, we'd be willing to trade for him, but he doesn't sound like he want, wants to come. So, them's the break. Sorry, Packers, you're, you're stuck with this guy. Rodgers holds a lot of power here, which, reading back over the last couple of years, sounds like is what he wanted all along. And I guess if you're looking for more empowerment for players, that's a good thing, I guess. It does just leave the Packers in a bit of an awkward spot. They've got a legendary quarterback where they're not super sure what to do with him. And we're going to find out a lot about both the Packers and Aaron Rodgers over the next few months. It may be frustrating. It may not be the season we all were hoping for or even thought we were going to get. But again, can't really say it's boring. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it too. It's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.